Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to another episode of Beyond the Cover. I am one of your hosts, John Robb, and of course I am here with my good friend and other co-host, Jeff Ayers. Jeff, how you doing? Doing fantastic. Glad uh, we have a show this week. Sorry about the technical yeah, issues last week. Last, week. last week the show got a little canceled because we had some technical snafu here on the website, but we are all good to go with our wonderful guest, author Kenneth Johnson. He's going to be on talking about his latest book, The Man of Legends along with his very illustrious career that has been TV and many other things that he has done. So it's going to be very exciting to talk to him. I want to remind everybody that, of course, all the shows are brought to you by Kensington Books. Please make sure you visit kensingtonbooks.com for more information on their authors and what they have going on. Very excited. I'm almost finished with Kevin O'Brien's latest book, and i got to tell you, it's probably one of his best. So very excited to finish that one up. But, Jeff, you ready to start it? Absolutely. Looking forward to talking to Kenneth. All right, so here we go. So, first of all, again, his latest book is called The Man of Legends. It actually comes out, um, technically comes out here on July the 1st. It's available, though, for um, pre-door. You can get it now, of course, going to Amazon and picking that up. So, Mr. Kenneth Johnson, Kenny we will call you from now on, though, but we want to make sure we get the author name right so people make sure that they search it correctly. want to thank you so much for coming on. How are you doing? Oh, I'm I'm delighted to be here, and thank you so much. Yes, there is an actor named Kenny Johnson, whom I've not ever met, but uh, occasionally our paths have crossed uh, in the ether out there. Uh, but uh, my dad's name was Kenneth, and I was uh, a junior, so, of course, growing up, he was Kenneth, the big uh, adult, and I was always Kenny. And my, my cast and crew and family and friends have always just called me Kenny, at least to my face, that's what they call me, you know. But, uh, <laughs> I'm the uh, same so way. Yeah, I'm the same way. I was a junior. People called my dad John. They called me Johnny. And I was right. like, oh, God, please, no more Johnny. So I was like, <laughs> no, I've, I've embraced it. You, you, you have to learn to embrace it, John. You really do. You know? That's true. And, yeah. Well, uh, and then my last name is Rob, and people could never really pronounce that for some godly reason. They would always say it's something different. So I really just, I mean, I just, I just kind of just say yes to anything now at this point. Um, <laughs> Great. You know, I just make it easy. I'm like, yeah, that's me. What do you want? So, yeah. <laughs> that's right. Good. So let's get into it here. So, again, your latest book is called The Man of Legends, and why don't you tell us a little bit about what you have going on? Oh, that's swell. Um, and, and also I should add, too, that uh, what you said at the beginning, it does come out in print and audiobook and Kindle, a regular Kindle, on the 1st of July, but it's already out on Kindle first. Uh, it came out July, on June 1st, a couple of weeks ago now, on their Kindle first program, and astonishingly it jumped to, to becoming a bestseller almost <laughs> immediately. Yes, and uh, at this point we have like uh, 200 reader reviews, and, and I'm delighted to say that uh, – uh, we have out of their five star rating, we've got a 4.5 out of five stars. It's uh, it's really been wonderful. And uh, um, but just quickly, the the Man of Legends, uh, I would say it's a, it's a supernatural mystery. And what I've tried to do is sort of blend some real epic storytelling and adventure, and of course suspense, with with a really touching love story. And all of it is rooted in this great untold legend that nobody's ever explored until now. 
Um, the story itself takes place over just a New Year's weekend uh, of 2001, just over a three- or four-day period in New York City, but there are flashes back over the last 2,000 years to the ancient Holy Land and, and further beyond that, actually, into some primal images like Paradise Lost. And, uh, uh, and the, the, the protagonist, the hero, is a flesh-and-blood guy like you guys or me, uh, who made a mistake, uh, a mistake that either either you guys or I could have made, uh, but it brought down really grave consequences onto him, and he has been forced to live on and to continue living from his earliest days and travel the world for the last 2,000 years. And he can only stay in one place three days, uh, and he can't stay any longer than that. So obviously it's developed into a quest for him to try to discover why this has happened and if there's a way to maybe sort of redeem himself. Um, the theme of the book, I suppose, is is discovering one's reason for being. That sort of threads through all of the other characters in the book. And um, uh, and obviously when a guy has been traveling the, the earth for 20 centuries, he's had an, uh, an opportunity to meet a whole lot of people. And what I enjoyed doing in the book was to see how he had encountered a great many people who were very famous historical people uh, and how he impacted or inspired them in ways that shaped our whole history for the last couple thousand years. And for about the last 1,600 years, he's been pursued by the uh, authorities from the Vatican who are determined to capture and contain him because of the treasure that he represents to them, but also the danger that he represents to their empire and organized religion in general because of what he knows. Um, his latest nemesis is a French priest, uh, very like Inspector Jouvert of Les Miserables, who is uh, very determined to, to be the one who brings the quarry to ground finally. And he is actually closing in over this New Year's weekend uh, in New York City with the help of the Archdiocese of New York and the NYPD. But our hero is also being sought by two women. Um, one is a young tabloid journalist for like a National Enquirer-type newspaper, and she has seen this man's face in several photos that were taken over like a 150-year period, and he looks the same in each photo. And then she chances to see a TV news broadcast in local TV news, news in New York where this unidentified heroic man has just rescued a little five-year-old Latina child from a burning tenement building. He dropped her to safety, but the burning walls collapsed on him. He's burned on 90% of his body. His bones are broken. He's in a coma. He's not expected to live. But as they slip him into the paramedic van, she sees a close-up of his face on the TV and goes, holy cow, it's the guy. Um, and at the same time, there's another woman who's sort of an 85-year-old Catherine Hepburn-type New England uh, tiger uh, who was a former United Nations envoy, and, but 60 years ago, she was his lover. And they had a, a wonderful love affair, and, uh, and she traveled with him for a year until he finally decided it was going to be too painful for her to watch him stay young while she grew older and he separated but now she's sort of settling into into uh, dementia and uh, alzheimer's and she's so eager to be re reunited with him before she loses all her memories so she sees the broadcast too and is drawn to the hospital where he is and there's also one other character that i need to mention who is described in the book as sort of a sleek young man i I used uh, the image of Jude Law or Leonardo DiCaprio as I was writing. This is a charming, handsome, funny gentleman who has also been traveling the world for two 
since millennia and who has been trying to help, he says, our hero. But we believe from pretty early on that he's really an emissary of darker forces, which indeed he is. And uh, and it all comes to a head on uh, the west side of uh, New York in an old theatrical warehouse uh, uh, at the end of the piece where a uh, hundred or so New Yorkers that our hero has encountered over the last uh, weekends in the weekend in New York. Uh, and um, it's a uh, it's, it's pretty astonishing ending. There, I'll take a breath. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> and it's, uh, well, I have I have to say that um, I thought of it as Les Miserables meets Quantum Leap with the brushes <laughs> with history, well, yeah, and I absolutely bit, love that aspect of it. Yeah, there's a one of the bit, things I mean, he's that, not he's not a time traveler except in the sense that he is traveling himself through time because he's continues right. to living and he can't die. But uh, several people uh, who have have commented on the fact there's a little bit of Forrest Gump in it also because oh true yeah you know because of the people that he has encountered uh, one of my favorite just quick uh, asides is he he uh, gets with this very wonderful Scottish guy in the 1700s in Glasgow a guy named James Watt who's been struggling to try to get this infernal contraption called a steam engine to work. And and Watt has not been able to do it, and our hero gives him a couple of clues from uh, things that he has picked up over his long life, and suddenly they've got the steam engine working, and our guy has helped to create it, which also leads to the the Industrial Revolution. And as an aside, he uses the steam relief valve on the steam engine to heat up some milk for their coffee there and uh, inadvertently creates the first cappuccino. You know, so... (laughs) There's there's a lot of sort of fun moments like that through the book. He was a shipmate with uh, Herman Melville on this whaling ship and had some inspiration uh, for Melville. Uh, he helped Mary Shelley figure out how to uh, bring her corpse back to life in this novel that she was writing back in uh, 1812. You know things like that that are uh, that are kind of uh, interesting and, and and fun to play with. And um, um, you know and I'm and certainly from the responses that we've been getting and the reader reviews we've gotten on Amazon, people are enjoying it and that's really gratifying. Well, one of the things I have to ask you is when you're talking about all these characters and all these things going on, most people would write them in third person, but you <laughs> you right. did them all in first person and I got to ask, how did you keep that the individual voices consistent with each other? Oh, it was it's fun. You're right. Uh I it it is written in the first the novel's written in the first person and there are probably I think 14 or 15 people that help to tell the story including our hero uh and including the um the reporter who is not only a, a witness to everything that happened but also a participant in it and also the old Catherine Hepburn, she has got her lines too and uh, uh, and it was it was I, I don't know I think it coming out of my theatrical training uh, at uh, at Carnegie Mellon University which is where I graduated from all those low low those many years ago and and all the theatrical work and motion picture work that I have done I just found that it was so f- interesting to be able to get inside the characters' heads and um, uh, and base them in many cases on w- real people there's a graffiti artist a sort of a mixed race uh, streetsy kid. Um, who is a, a graffiti artist, and he's based on uh, some actual graffiti artists that I knew and, and spent some time with back in the 90s when I was trying to do a, uh, write a script about um, uh, painting the sides of subway trains. 
and uh, so I, I, you know, I, it really gave me a way to get inside them and make them real. And then, as you say, then the trick is to make sure their voices are always consistent. And uh, and one of the great fun we uh, bits of fun we had, guys, was when we recorded the audio book version of this. Oh, because yeah. oh my goodness! It's, it was great. I got to bring in a dozen or more of my favorite actors, including Eric Pierpoint, who was my lead on Alien Nation, and uh, Terry Trees, who was in Alien Nation, as well as Jeff Marcus and. Uh, uh, and Carrie Kane and a number of others, and so it the, the audio book really sort of reads like a or plays like a radio play. It's uh, it's fascinating, and uh, uh, and I'm hoping eventually, of course, to get it onto the big screen eventually. But uh, uh, but right now, I'm I'm really pleased with the way that the story is being received. Oh, I've got to listen to it on audio. Unbelievable! <laughs> it's cool. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, because because it's it, yeah, because it will be like a theatrical performance, like an old time kind of radio show. Which that's, you know leads me to, to to kind of my question is, you know, you fit so much in 430 pages. At huh. what point did you did you kind of you had to have thought at one point like you know what, this is gonna this is gonna tend to be a series and you can and kind of draw it out. Did you think about that, or I mean, were you content with like I'm going to get this thing, I'm going to get this whole thing in? No, it's funny. The way it started, of course, is the way that I have made my living mostly for the last 40 years. Is uh, when I came across the idea originally, uh, and it was a, quite a number of years ago. Uh, I read about Mark Twain wrote about him, and I thought, well, it's sort of an interesting character because he's a character, a legendary character that people have heard of, but they they don't really know the inside story. And uh, and then I did some more research, and I discovered that Percy Shelley had written a couple of poems about him and apparently had met him. And then the deeper I got, I discovered that there was um, a documentation about this guy that went back into the 1600s and the 1400s and the 1200s. And, and my, at first, my, my thought was to write it as a screenplay, which is what I've mostly done. Uh, but I realized I could not possibly condense the uh, – I couldn't service the character or the story well in only like a couple of hours' time, you know? And right. uh, and I realized the best way to do it would be as a novel. And uh, and then eventually if it makes its way to the screen, I would prefer it probably to be a miniseries as opposed to uh, – I was going to say, yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it, as opposed to a two-hour movie, a four- or five-hour right. miniseries, I think would really serve the project. And uh, Amazon already asked me if I'd write a sequel because they love the character so much, too, and uh, and it's possible that it could continue. But I really feel like I've done it in the form and the shape and the manner that I want to now, and uh, the only thing I'd like to do beyond this with it is to just bring it to the screen in a, in a, in a length that would do justice to the to the great story and and the characters that I've managed to put together. Gotcha. Yeah. Well, as uh, most people who listen to our show are writers, mm-hmm. we're always told you have to sort of tell, you know, the agent, the editor, <laughs> you know, the people buying the book what is the genre. Right. And for the love of God, man, every genre in the book is in here. <laughs> well, you know, it's, it's really funny. We, i got to say, I have to give a shout-out to Jason Kirk, who was the um, uh, the editor at Amazon who really sucked me in. Uh, we we had gotten interest from Harper's and Little Little uh, Little Brown and a number of other, of the you know, the normal sort of uh, usual suspects of publishers. But Jason 
absolutely got it from the get-go. And he just, I remember his, the first uh, uh, email that he sent to my literary agent uh, was, was, this is awesome, all in caps, you know, and I thought, I think that's the guy I want to be with, you know. <laughs> and, and also, it did occur to me, I must admit, that Amazon now has Amazon Studios, so that uh, might help to get oh, it yeah. to, the, uh, to the cinema eventually, or to television the way that I'd like it. Um, and it was, uh, but, you know, I, when he first, when we were first talking, I think it was Jason and that said, you know, it's sort of like the Da Vinci, da Vinci Code meets Forrest Gump. And I said, what? And then I got to thinking about it, and I said, well, it is a little bit like that, because the impact that he has had on so many people, not just with helping Mary Shelley to animate her corpse, but to, you know, mentioning to this metalsmith named Gutenberg about how, meta, how movable type could work, and, uh, uh, and how he takes this this little implement that was given to him by Kublai Khan uh, and brings it to the to the Western world and introduces it to a man called the Earl of Condom, and you know, and um, uh, and he how he inspired people from Francis Bacon to Mark Twain to to Thomas Paine to Gandhi, and uh, uh, but also we discovered too in the story that no good deed goes unpunished because sometimes the ripple effect of what he does. Uh, has un- unintended consequences. I mean, he saves the life of a little Bavarian boy in the blizzard in the 1800s in Bavaria, which is a good thing. He saved his child, except that the child grows up to be the grandfather of Adolf Hitler. Oops. And uh, you know, so it's like you're never. You have to be very careful about what you do and the actions you take. That's part of what I try to talk about in the story, uh, because they have they have a ripple effect. No, true. Of course. You know, you you have such a great career, uh, you know, writing, producing, directing for film and television, and mm-hmm. this is really like your first kind of major novel that's not associated with like a, with like a show. I mean, this is like you know, this is like has nothing to do with like any of the shows or anything that you kind of did. So, was it the story? Was it the characters? What kind of was the pull to say I need to write this and I need to write this now? Um, it's it's interesting. I think first of all, I think there is a, an echo in it of the Incredible Hulk in some ways because David mm-hmm. Banner, of course, was hitchhiking down the road at the end of every episode, you know. So and he right. had to keep moving on, trying because he'd brought down a curse on himself. The classic Greek uh, hubris problem where you tamper with things better left to the gods, and the gods don't like it when you do that. And um, uh, so it was. It was which a is actually story. you know, which is actually funny because in the TV show, I thought grabbed the Hulk because. I used to read The Hawk, and I thought the movies lost exactly what you were saying, <laughs> the curse. They didn't yeah. do that. They didn't have it to where he was a loner. They always had people around him and this and right. that, and that's not who he was. No, that's so, yeah, true, and I, get you and, uh, and I didn't really realize it or think about it as I was doing it, uh, although there are a couple of little Hulk references within the novel, as people will discover when they go through. Uh, I even used the, the name instead of, I didn't use the National Enquirer as in my newspaper, I used the National Register, which is exactly the same newspaper that Jack McGee, who was pursuing the Hulk, <laughs> well, that's who he worked for. Yeah, little, so little I, Easter eggs uh, in I there. That, going but it i think it was the the overall as i as i said as i begin to think about the impact uh, that this man could have had on so many different aspects of of our life and times from einstein to to helping levi strauss make what became a very 
popular style of clothing. Uh, you know, it's uh, there it was just so much to, to do with, with uh, that could be fun and also thought provoking. I mean, the, the the main thing that I've always tried to do, guys, is is to be a good storyteller. And uh, uh, exactly. and, uh, and I think what I've had good luck with over the years is to take. Uh, sort of high concepts, if you will, like this one, uh, that will intrigue people and, and sort of have them say, what is that? I better check that out. And then once they're in there checking it out, I try to deliver a story that will keep them engaged and, and hopefully also be thought-provoking, And which is one of the things that many of the reviewers have said at, at Amazon, which has just been so incredibly rewarding to, to hear that. And also, uh, one of the drives of my life has been to try to ex- inspire as much tolerance and humanism as I can. Uh, I was uh, I was raised, uh, and this is hard to say sometimes. I was raised by a, a very bigoted, anti-Semitic stepfather and mother, and I all my childhood, I as an only child, I heard a lot of hate words and a lot of uh, uh, words that we don't even like to use anymore nowadays. Um, and I grew up with it on a, on a daily basis, every night at the dining table. And for some reason, you know, Oscar Hammerstein won the Pulitzer Prize for writing the song in South Pacific about how you've got to be taught before it's too late, before you're six or seven or eight, to hate all the people your relatives hate. You've got to be carefully taught, you know. And for some reason, I just didn't buy it. I just instinctively sensed that... Wasn't, it wasn't right. And as I got grew older, I, I really have tried to set out to do as much as I could to try to chip away at that kind of prejudice and, and intolerance wherever I could. And this, this story gives me the opportunity to do that, too. I, I hope not in a ham-handed, uh, on-the-nose kind of way, but in terms of uh, the way people think about themselves and think about other people. Um, that's always been my, my goal. Well, uh, for me personally, I've grown up with your with your shows and films. You know, we're talking Six Million Dollar Man by a Woman. We're talking V, which I absolutely adored. Alien Nation, I adored. Even Number Five is Alive. <laughs> Johnny, um, well, Johnny, look, Johnny Five was uh, when I, when I first was presented with the script. Jeff Sagansky, my dear friend who was running TriStar at the time, sent me the script, and it was it was okay, but I, I just wasn't that wild about it. He said, "Well, what's wrong, Kenny?" I said, "Well, Jeff, what you're missing is here is is you've got the Elephant Man here." He said, what are you talking about? It's a movie about a little robot. And I said, no, no. I said, yeah, I know that. But it's also like they can't see past the surface. It's like Quasimodo. People can't get past the surface to see what's underneath, the same way they can't sometimes get past the shape of someone's eyes or their skin color or anything like that. And I said, let me dig deep into it, and we'll mine all of that human humanistic stuff. And we won't lose the fun and the charm of, of Johnny Five and the robot and the, the gags and the jokes and everything but we'll also have a heart and a soul to it. And uh, uh, and that's what the same thing I tried to invest in all of the episodes of The Incredible Hulk uh, and, uh, yes. and certainly into, into Alien Nation, which was really about <laughs> prejudice and discrimination right in your face. And, um, uh, Absolutely. And I, so I, it's so important for us to try to hang on to those, those values if we possibly can, I think. I, I absolutely agree with you. Um, I got a hypothetical for you since we're almost out of time, and I can't believe this. I wish we could go on for hours with you. <laughs> um, so when you were working primarily mm-hmm. with those wonderful shows that I mentioned, right? there was only three channels. <laughs> That's true. With, with, with the world today, with all the cable channels and you know streaming services, and I can watch, a, I can watch your, your shows on my phone. 
Right. How do you think your career would have been different if you had been doing this today? I, I don't know. I think it's a, it's a more limited audience. I mean, certainly it was a blessing to be able to do something like V, for example, and and have it uh, become the not only the number one show in the country and one of the top fifteen highest rated TV miniseries ever, but u- ultimately to to uh, to reach an audience of eighty million people in one sitting uh, was extraordinary, and it, it's still uh, the the highest rated work of science fiction I'm told in the history of television, and uh, and certainly you just can't get that anymore uh even on the bionic shows we were often had ratings of, you know that put us in the where a third of the audience in the, in the country were watching our shows and i think it's uh, it's was maybe a little easier to break out then but at the same time you had much less opportunity because there weren't all of the various venues that you could take it to so that if a network didn't like it oh well that's okay i'll go over to netflix or amazon or hulu or stars or someplace uh and i, I think the bottom line though i think is is that is it, it still comes down to the writing and to the storytelling and uh, uh, and you're, there's an audience out there for it and if you can spark them and I, I've been so lucky over my career to, to attract a really broad demographic my largest audience always is adult women and then men and then teens and then kids in that order um, and I think that's because I've always been more interested in the emotional structure of things and in the relationships than in blowing things up in spaceships. I mean, V was never about, uh, you know, a reptilian race in big spaceships. It was about power you know, and how you deal with power. And some people suck up to it. Some people try to keep their heads down, and other people say we have to fight against it. And uh, uh, and th- so I try to work those substantive themes into the high concepts and you know and i think you can still get lucky nowadays and uh, a lot of people have well i think that's why your stuff speaks so much to me personally as well as to so many people is because you did keep that human element well it's really vital i mean when they were trying to remake the bionic woman uh back in 2008 and and it was i heard before a show goes on they track it to see how many people are interested in like that and the and the tracking numbers they said they're astronomical they're off the charts and i said to the president of warner brothers whose office i was sitting in i said but have you seen the pilot and he said no 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 but it doesn't matter the numbers are gigantic it's going to be the biggest hit in the history of western civilization i said have you seen the pilot he said no i said i've seen the pilot and it doesn't work. It doesn't work because there's no heart in it, there's no humanity in it, there's no humor in it, and they don't have a star like Lindsay Wagner and an actress of that category. It's not going to work. And when the show failed, i got to say, I've never met David Icke, but I have a tremendous respect for him as a, as a fellow artist. And he took it on the chin and got up and said, you know what, we blew it. We never figured out what it was about, and the show didn't have the same heart or humanity. I was, it was exactly the same words. And so i got to hand it to him for being an upfront guy. <laughs> um, John lost internet for a second. I'm going to see if he's back. Is, okay. is John? Can you hear me? No, he cannot. Oh, John. Well, now okay. we can talk about John. Oh, it's true. We can. Uh, <laughs> well, I really and like I wanted him. to say um, exactly what you said. I watched ten minutes of the Bionic Woman, and that was ten minutes too long of the remake. Yeah. It was yeah. not good yeah. at all. You're absolutely right. And what did you think of the V remake? It was pretty much exactly the same thing. Uh, it was, uh, 
you know, Warner's owns the TV rights, and so they can do whatever they want with it. I discovered a couple of uh, years ago, however, that, <laughs> guess what, Jeff, I own the motion picture rights. And uh, suddenly I had a lot of new best friends, and all the major studios wanted to give me really an obscene amount of money to buy the rights and maybe let you, and we'd let you produce, absolutely. We might let you write, but for director, you know, we're maybe thinking like Michael Bay or somebody, and I'm going, mm, no. And, uh, and, you know, when you say no in Hollywood, they say, okay, we understand. How much money do you really want? You know? and, uh, and I said, no, you guys don't get it. I would rather the movie never got made than got made wrong by the wrong people. And so we pulled it back from the studios, and we're endeavoring to set it up as a big $60 million independent picture that would be the first of a trilogy that would uh, get into my other novel, V, the Second Generation, which would supply the material for those second two sequels. And uh, we're, we're close, but if you've got $60 million, um, uh, you can be an executive producer, Jeff. <laughs> Hey, I'm well, back, I'm so and I'm happy kidding. you guys didn't. I, I'm back, so thanks for not talking about me. Even though you could have, been, <laughs> were you gone? Kind of cool. Yeah, uh, oh, shut no. up. <laughs> well, we're glad you, we're glad you I don't know what the hell right? happened. All of a sudden, the website was all screwing around, and I couldn't see anything. And then I, you couldn't hear me, and I was muted. And at least, at least I was muted. You didn't hear me cussing at the cable box, <laughs> which never <laughs> answers you back whenever something happens. You notice that the internet yeah. box never answers you back. I hate that. So. Yeah, sorry. And I don't, I don't get. I don't know. I don't get it. But I'll tell you what, Kenny. It has been absolutely fantastically fabulous uh, to have you on the show and just get just like I said, you know, just a 25 minute snippet of everything that you know you've kind of done here, especially with the book Man of Legends. Um, it's fantastic, and people that you know do not have the ability to order it early, uh, July the first, you can get it anywhere. However, books are sold. Of course, you can go to Amazon and make sure you. Yeah, pick go it up. to Amazon. So, That's the easiest, quickest place to find it. And and just Google. Absolutely. If anybody looking for me, if they just Google my name, Kenneth Johnson, you'll see the uh, Google will bring up the producer, director, or uh, you know, uh, official site, yep. and they can click on there and find me and and find out how to send a message directly to me too. Yes, awesome. that's awesome. That's great. That's my so favorite. hey. Well, again, thank you so much for coming on. It has been fabulous and it's been very entertaining. And wish you nothing but the best. And can't wait to see what books you got coming out in the future. Thanks, guys. And maybe we'll see this on the TV. And, uh, anytime, I'm, I'll be you happy know. to come back and talk to you some more. Oh, well, thank you so much for the honor. If this becomes an Amazon original, we're going to have to have you back on so we can kind of get some of the behind-the-scenes look into uh, the filming and how all that stuff is going on, too. Absolutely. You will get all the sneak back peeks the on the inside. Ooh, we want nice. to help you with it. Too. All right. No. <laughs> okay, that's great. You have a good one and enjoy. And let's try to stay cool from the heat because Southern California is warming up right about now. So, right. thanks, guys. Take All care. Right. Thanks Bye-bye. so much. You bet. Bye bye. So, so again, everybody, that is author Kenneth Johnson. Make sure you check out the book, The Man of Legends. Releases July the first, but. Prime members can enjoy it on the Kindle first, so if you're a Prime member, you can go to Amazon and you can get it and you can try it out right now. So make sure that you go grab the book. And also um, make sure you visit uh, – uh, oh, my God, I just blanked. What the hell? Yeah, it's not the Internet's the only problem you're having tonight. Jesus Louise! No, I was gonna give out this website, and I just and and I, and I had it up, and it just went. I don't know. Hold on, let me get it. Um, keep talking, <laughs> Jeff. <laughs> ah, it's KennethJohnson.us. So go to KennethJohnson.us. That's that's his official website. Um, I had it up, and for some reason, it just kind of blanked out on me. 
So, yes, make sure you go to KennethJohnson.us uh-huh. for more information, and you can see everything out there. Let's take a really short break because it sounds like I freaking need it right about now. I don't know. I don't drink, but I might go dip into the tequila and come back, and you just never know what the hell you're going to get. So let's take a short break, and then we'll come back right after this, and uh, we will see you all in just a second. So listen to a little extreme because that's what we all need right now anyway. After the break, we want to thank, of course, uh, Kenneth Johnson for coming on. It was fabulous to be able to have him and talk with him and see what he's got going on. Of course, make sure you check out the book. So, Jeff, um, hopefully shit stays up because it just bound on me again when we were off the air a little bit talking back and forth that I had some issues with my phone. And I'm not sure if it's the phone, if it's the website. I don't know what the hell's going on. All I know is it's hot here 
and I don't know what's happening. <laughs> well, I, I'm sorry you're having issues there tonight. Um, and that's okay. That's okay. The, the reason we were off the air last week is just because the whole site didn't work at all. Yeah, and, the whole uh, all the phone numbers were all screwed up. But you know, this is the technology that we live in today, and you know, it's good. It's got a lot of good things. Got a lot of bad things, but. Um, this is, you know, it, without the technology, we wouldn't be able to do this. Let's put it that way. So we can't really complain too much about it, right? Oh, that's true. I'm not complaining at all. And uh, yeah. getting the chance to talk to somebody who I absolutely admire greatly was exactly. uh, amazing tonight. So that was fun. Thank you. So uh, the last show we had, let, let's just do a little thing. So the last show we had was a roundtable discussion. We had John Land and Allison Brennan. We had a lot of great insight in there. There was a lot of good stuff I saw on Twitter. I had some good uh, had some people kind of email and things like that and talk about it, and they, and they really enjoyed because they kind of showed a little bit behind the curtain. And, you know, one of the things that, that we great. didn't have a, really have a chance to get into with them was what's coming up is, um, you know, the author events that are happening with uh, you have Thriller Fest coming up in less than a month, what is that, two and a half, three weeks right now. Um, after that, you got PMWA, we got BoucherCon, we got things like that. So you're going to be at Thriller Fest and PMWA. What's one of the one things that you're looking forward to uh, to seeing in Thriller Fest this year? Well, I have to say, uh, Thriller Fest is going to be extremely busy for me this year, more than usual, and I love that. I'm actually moderating four panels, and I'm sitting on another one. Wow, and, uh, that that should be fun. And one of the panels is there, I'm any moderating. The panels that I was going to be on because I'm not going to be there. Uh, no, actually, uh, I'm going to, well, actually, because you're not doing the book review when they asked me to do it, and I was cool with that. Oh, okay, yeah, but, yeah, I'm um, not going to do the book review. I'm going to say one thing, though. you got to be my eyes, man. you got to be my ears. If they get on there, <laughs> and you know who I'm talking about, I won't name any uh, names. Not there this time. Both of them? Oh, wait a minute. No, I take that back. Never mind. Yes, I know who you're talking about. Yes, I promise. They're both there again? Uh, one of them is for sure. Oh God! Okay, is it the one that's in the big <laughs> company or the one about? that's in the littler company? Uh, we're talking uh, the state of uh, the city we're in. Oh, so it's that guy. Okay, so <laughs> when that guy mouths off, I need you to step up to the plate and say, "Wait, you, my friend, are irresponsible." Because that's an irresponsible thing to do. Because I think All right, that I will say John Robb told me to tell you. You you damn that's right. In fact, I'll, I'll I'm going to mail you my card. You hand it to him, and you say <laughs> if you have a problem, here's the number and here's the email, and you call him and you talk to him. And I'll even get him on the fucking radio and I'll talk to him and I'll we'll, we'll go at it right here on the show. I don't care because I think <laughs> that that's irresponsible. I think that's ridiculous. I think it's um, very damaging. Um, I don't think it helps anybody whatsoever. Uh, you know, I don't think that, and this is what I'm talking about. I don't agree with writing terrible reviews saying that it helps your reputation or your to be reputable. That if you only write good reviews, you're not reputable. I find that stupid. I find that literally illogical. I mean, that makes no, that has no logic behind it at all. My philosophy is um, you want to find the good books. You don't want to recommend bad books, so why would you waste your time? So, yeah, Unless so you absolutely you have to write the review and the book's not good, that's different. But, yeah, I'd yeah, prefer I mean, you, you know, tell me what's a good book to read. 
Right. I mean, we've mentioned a hundred times our magazine. We don't call them reviews. We call them recommendations. If it's in there, we recommend you read the book, and we'll write you a little review about what we thought about it. But it's just one person's opinion. I mean, go out and find, you know, other people's opinion. You know, you write for, you know, Booklist and the AP and, you know, several other places, and you write for us. And so, you know, your reviews are seen everywhere by a lot of people. But I think even you would agree, don't just go to the Associated Press and take that book review or Booklist or, you know, or Kirkus or Publishers Weekly. Find, you know, get a consensus. Um, and also – Read the back of the book for the synopsis to see if it's something that you would even be interested in. I mean, that's the other thing. You're not going to pick up a, you know, you're not going to pick up a, a whodunit mystery if you're, if you're not into that. Right. So I don't know. Okay. I, I had a review but, post today, and uh, all the listeners should pick this book up. It's Karen Dion's Marsh King's Daughter. I know she just was just on uh, Story Blunder with uh, Stephen. It's great. Yes. And I got an email about that book. Um, they're asking me about interviewing. Uh, we actually are just going to conduct, and I tried, man. I was trying for us, but he's not available. His schedule won't do. I was, I was going to get Nelson DeMille back on for us for his latest book, The Cuban Affair. But Oh, yeah. Um, well, that's coming out in September. I know, but they already said that I guess his schedule, he won't be able to do it. So I was trying, and they say if anything happens, I'll be the first one to call. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm sure you sell that to everybody. But um, – well, you know, I'm going to see him at Thriller Fest, time. so let me see what I can do. Yeah, see, you know what? Sometimes that's the best. I was almost going to be like, why don't I just email him directly and see if he can do it? Because sometimes these publicists are trying to be stonewalls against people. But then when you ask the author straight out, they'll be like, oh, yeah, just send me an email. We'll set something up. No problem. You know, so that happens a lot. Um, so that's good. Well, I, I see think if you would do it. I think of Steve Hamilton because he came to us and said he wanted to be back on the yeah. show because he had such a I good know. time last time. And I think a lot of authors seem to have a good time with us. I don't understand it, but <laughs> <laughs> you know why? Because we I'm joking. Obviously. Because well, you know, because because we know what we're talking about. We know our we know what we're doing. We make it fun. I mean, it's not a book show where it sounds like a book show. It's just an entertainment show where there's authors and people talking about their work. Um, and I think that's what makes it interesting. You know, I mean, I've listened to a lot of other shows. You know, we've listened to a lot of other shows, a lot of people interview. And the one thing that we don't do, and, and, I will, and, I'll, and I'll pull back the curtain a little bit and I'll tell people, we don't script anything. You know, we just kind of are – you know, three guys well, you don't. or, you know, three people. Well, yeah, but you don't really script it either. You kind of go with it. We're just kind of, you know, right. three guys, three people, whatever. If we have a girl, if we have a woman on, we're just sitting at the bar and we're just talking. And that's the way we do it. How, however it comes up, because you can script things all you want, but then all of a sudden when I'm sitting there talking to Laurel K. Hamilton and she starts going into sexual stuff, everything's out the window because I had no idea that was going to come up. But it was a lot of fun talking about it. So it was like, well, all this goes out the window. Let's talk about sex, Laurel. What do you got, honey? So, you know, we talked about sex for like 20 minutes. Karen Slaughter and I were talking about, you know, the uh, the gender uh, problem with, you know, women and men, you know, writing and whatnot. I mean, everything went out the window. So I just like to just talk and see where it leads, and I think that's what's, I think that's what's fun. So that's what we like to do. But, yeah. So well, I'm trying to get Nelson on. The other thing is I just conducted an interview – it's not quite done um, with Kathy Reichs, uh, so that'll be in the magazine. So that should be interesting for her latest book that's coming out. But we went to a oh, yeah, great event. Oh, because it's a standalone. Well, actually, it's, it's a, a standalone series. 
Yeah, so Random House emailed me, and I was like, oh, I go, I'll interview her for this because, you know, we haven't had talked to Kathy in a while. Last time I talked to her, I think she was on um, Crime and Science Radio with Doug and Jan, and uh, I talked to her then. Um, but the uh, we went to an event about a week or so. Uh, last last Saturday, Shannon and I went to an event with Peter James and Brenda, Brenda Novak. We're at a library oh, cool, yeah. in Brea. Yeah, so we interviewed both of them separately, so that stuff will be in the magazine. <coughs> um, we actually might play those interviews on the air if they came through okay recorded because we had to do it in the back room of this library. Um, so I hopefully it, it came out okay, and Shannon is starting to – she's going to transcribe them and try to get them in the magazine now, so we'll have to see. But, yeah, that was great. Peter and Brenda are wonderful. And you didn't think that well, those when two were kind of working together at, a, at an event. Huh? When does the new issue come out? Oh, it'll be right around June thirtieth. Awesome. Okay. Yeah, we do it. So we do it like every other month at the end of that month. So this will technically be like our May and June issue is what we kind of call. It. Then we'll have July, August coming up, and um, so the next so it'll be like June thirtieth, and the next one will be like August thirty first, and then we'll do what is that October, and then we'll do December. December will be out before the thirty first because it's the best of. We like to get out before the holidays with the best of. So that one probably will be out around the middle of December, around the 15th, 16th, something like that. So that's that's probably your schedule coming up. That's good. Okay, yeah, I was curious because uh, there's some uh, of my recommendations in this issue, and I uh, did a movie thing for you too. So, yeah, look forward to seeing yeah. that. You know, and speaking of movies, that's one thing we what? we didn't do this year. We didn't really get into our summer blockbusters and about what we're going to do. I mean – there's a couple movies that are coming out. There's a couple movies that are already out that I don't know if you saw or not yet. I mean, have you seen Pirates yet? Uh, I have no interest. I'm with you. I'm with you, too. <laughs> I have no interest to see. I could care less what happens to them. I think yeah, the, the first, first movie was a lot of fun, and uh, I don't know what, what's been going on since, but they've just gotten worse and worse to the point where I don't yeah. care. I thought the second yeah. one would have been good if they tied it all up instead of making it go to a third finishing it because that whole scene – and what killed me on the third one was really that whole scene where he was like in an alternate kind of universe and he was pulling a ship with the crab, and I don't even know what the hell that was. I was like, this is probably Johnny Depp's life on acid is what I'm guessing, <laughs> like a normal day, but I didn't get it. So yeah, I'm with you. On yeah, that one. pretty the other, much. What about, uh, what about the mummy? Uh, another one I have no interest in. Uh, but, you, know, you know, the Brendan Fraser one was fine. Um, well, hold when on. I heard that you, the, you, you when know I heard they were scrambling to make it work. Ugh, well, yeah, know. because you know the studio that is behind this is like I think it's a part of Universal, but it's like Universal in the back, so. They're trying to do, like, Mummy and, you know, Werewolf and stuff like that. So this is, like, the first movie in that studio. Did you know that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, uh, they're calling it the uh, Dark Universe or something like that. Yeah, something let's, like that. Let's, and it's let's like copy some, Marvel and make it work. No. <laughs> That's not how it works Yeah, I mean, the all. problem is Marvel made good movies, and the Mummy's not a good movie. I mean, it's, you know, I, I saw the trailer for it, and I'm like, this is idiotic. I'd have no interest in seeing this after I saw the trailer. Wonder Woman, though, I have to go see, and I and I've seen that that was that had, that had really good reviews. Well, the funny thing was, um, I was staying away because DC can't make a good movie, and uh, I 
I take that back because everybody who's seen it's told me they finally made a good movie. So, yeah, I'm going to go see it this week, actually. Oh, I don't know. The Christopher Nolan trilogy was pretty freaking epic. I, I, I'm, I'm specifically talking about from, like, Man of Steel and Batman versus oh, Superman and then I'm the sorry. Suicide Squad. The, those. I mean, no, the, the Christopher Nolans are fine. Besides the first Superman movie, though, honestly, I mean, has they ever really made a good Superman movie? I think he's too tough to make is the problem. I honestly just think he's one of those characters that's just too tough to have a movie because you have to have such – and I, this is why I never really got into him in the comics because the villains have to be so supernatural in, in a way because – he can defeat anything. So it's like, what do you put in front of him to beat? So, you know. Well, I have to say, I think the uh, Christopher Reeve first two films are fantastic. And then yeah, and since I, then and they've I, yeah, done the first right. two, That's true, the first two. Yeah, I thought Zod was really yeah. cool. And, and it had a good comedic aspect to it, too, at times. Yeah, so I love those, but then since then, yeah, they haven't done him right. And I honestly have a gut feeling that... Uh, Zack Snyder, who's made the, those films we've been talking about, doesn't like Superman as a character. So why waste your time making a film about a character you don't like? Exactly. I th- I almost think uh, Superman's going the way of the Hulk. There's, they just don't know how to make a movie about him anymore, and they keep trying, and they keep failing. Well, the Hulk works fantastic in the Avenger movies. Right, but not on his own. And maybe Superman will work good in the Justice League movie, but not on his own. That's what I think's going to happen. Yep. Yeah. Well, the next the next one in the series comes out here is the Transformers. I have no interest in that either. I, I don't care. Um, you could uh, well, I, I'll I'll put it best. A friend of mine who's colorblind said it was like watching uh, tin cans hit each other for two hours. He couldn't differentiate between any of them, so he was bored out of his mind. And that's pretty right. much what they do for me as well. I'm bored out of my I mind. I mean, I guess if you like action movies, um, I will say this: the movie then that don't, had don't see this. <laughs> yeah, so the movie that had what is it, Rosie Huntington and Shia LaBeouf in it? That movie. There's a building that gets blown up in that movie. I work in that building, so Hollywood blew up my building. I just let you know well, that's that. That's cool. That's, so uh, yeah, so I was like, that's kind of cool. But that's the only thing about yeah, the no, the, the, I literally watched that movie just to see my building get blown up, and then when I got blown up, I was like, oh, I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I don't understand uh, the appeal of the Transformers movies at all. They seem the same, and yeah, anyway. Yeah. Now, what about, uh, we knew Spider-Man's coming out, the third Spider-Man now, so we're supposed to get a, forget about Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield. This is now the Spider-Man that's going to continue on, like, you know, with, what did with the Avengers and Civil War and whatnot. So we'll just kind of pass that one, I think, over. Um, even though it kind of looks cool, but... The, I, I, like, War, uh, I like the idea of uh, Michael Keaton playing Vulture. We'll see if that works. That, yeah, I, I kind of saw that, too, and we'll kind of see. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. I'm not sure. There's, there, uh, there is a movie coming out on July the 7th, but it's limited release, and I don't think it's about the book. I haven't really seen a lot of it because it is limited and it hasn't got a big thing. But it's called A Ghost Story. I don't think it's the Peter Straub. Uh, I don't think it's after the Peter Straub novel. Um, it's got Casey Affleck in it. Uh, but I believe it has nothing to do with the book. 
Uh, and typically limited releases means that I will get to see it here in L.A. You probably will not in Seattle. It's normally just an L.A. New York thing. So maybe yeah, that's I'll just usually how it works. That. So, but what about War for the Planet of the Apes? I mean, how do you like the remakes? Or I guess I don't even think they're not even really remakes. The prequels to those series. How do you like this? Um, I will be honest with you. I still haven't seen the first two of the series. Oh, uh, it well, looks missed, it looks like it might be the special effects look amazing, but yeah, I, I thought they were really good. They were really good. Okay, I'll tell you, that I thought they were really I, good. I'm actually going to you know, watch them shocked. before. Yeah, you should. You should just check them out. I mean, I think that you really like. Put this: if you don't like the first one, then don't go to the second. One. But if you like the first one, you're going to love Dawn. I mean, you're just you're, you'll jump in and you'll love that one too. So this one, I'm kind of curious to see how far they take it. Um, uh, so, but you do you should know a little bit about the original because Caesar's in it. Um, so you should know a little bit about the original Planet of the Apes when you watch this, just because you have some Easter eggs in there that you can kind of get in, you know get around. And of course, you know you see Caesar, so that's kind of cool. Um, but the emoji I, I'm a, movie I'm a fan of awesome. the original ones. Yeah. Yeah, and the emoji movie. All right, so, all right you talk awesome. me into it. I'll check it's it out. July. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So just go check it out. Do your thing. Um, all right. Yeah. What else we got in August? Well, the big one I think in August is going to be the Dark Tower. Yeah, I'm of course, really curious about that. Okay. I'm going to tell you right now. I'm going to pull the curtain back. Now, this isn't really anything big because people can read about it. This has this has nothing to do with the novels. And the fact of, this movie starts after the events of book seven, after the last novel. So it has, has there's no Eddie, there's no Susanna, there's no Oi, there's no none of that. The flag, the man in black is, you know, he's moved past, he's different from what the gunslinger. So this is after the books. So know that going in. If you're thinking that this is going to start with the gunslinger and whatnot, it's after all those events. That just makes no sense to me whatsoever. Yeah, and it really pissed me off. It really pissed me off. To the point of, I'm like, not going to go see it in the theaters. Why the fuck did you do that to me? You had seven books of, of wonderful series. I mean, what I really wanted to see was how they were going to do The Wolves of Kala, because I thought that was the best book in the series. I, well, The Wastelands was one of my favorites in the, in the series, too. The first three, I thought, as a trilogy, were awesome. I don't know what you thought, but I was really curious to see Blaine on the screen, see The Wolves of Kala, kind of seeing mm-hmm. the drawing of the three, how they got Eddie and the whole thing, and then they just do this. It's like, you know what it is? It's almost like they were like, we're just going to cop out and just make our own movie, and that really pisses me off. No, I, I completely agree with you. Um, I, I had no idea that's what they were doing, and that's very sad. Um, yeah. I liked the yeah. casting. I, it looked interesting oh, casting-wise. I thought that was great for the gunslinger. I love that guy. I can never pronounce his name, oh, but absolutely. I love him whatever yeah. he does. <laughs> I think he's fabulous. <laughs> but um, another one, I guess, we're running out of time here, Annabelle, the, Annabelle Creation. So that's another supernatural kind of horror movie coming out. Um, what is the other one? Nut Job 2. Nutty by nature. I mean, you gotta take the kids to see that one. Shit, come on. Well, the first one was so bad. Why not make a sequel? Yeah, why not? Uh, <laughs> let's see what else we got. The Hitman's Bodyguard. I have no idea what the hell that is. Um, that the Glass looks Castle. amazing. There's a cool trailer. It's um, it? Ryan Reynolds and Samuel Jackson. Looks fantastic. 
Oh, I'm, I just clicked on it. on it now. Oh, Gary Oldman's in it, too. Yes. It looks oh, very Salma silly. Oh, in it? Okay, okay. Yeah. Might, have to, might have to check that one out. Maybe um, I thought that the, um, oh, what was that called? The um, the one with Ryan Gosling um, and, uh, oh, shit, The Good Guys. I thought that was a really funny movie. I liked oh, that. I enjoyed that immensely, yes. Yeah, that was fun. And then we have another Stephen King movie coming out in September called It. That one looks really good. Um, the only thing that scares me about that is the first movie was like three hours long. I think it was actually a TV miniseries that was like, and so it was like you know a lot longer. They're going to pack yeah. that book into two hours. I don't know if it's going to work, but we'll have to see. But the one thing that I have noticed in this book in this movie is they're all young. So I think it's just the first half. It has nothing to do. I with believe it is back. just the first half, from what I've read. Yeah. So I don't know how that is. Um, but I'm sorry, I'm not going to pay to see a big clown on screen that will scare the hell out of me. I'm sorry. That's true. You can just walk outside and maybe just see a clown doing it. How many clowns? How many clowns are going to come clowns out live in the sewer around this movie? Yeah, I mean they're going to come out around this movie. You're just going to see clowns around this movie anyway. So yeah, I was a little upset. I think with how they did it, and it looks like they're also remaking Flatliners. They are. I. I don't understand why you're remaking movies that, I mean, were okay, but they weren't. It was good. Like, holy cow, you got to remake it. You know, like, remake Gone with the Wind. I don't know. You know? <laughs> I mean, it's, it's like your house and my house. We sit here and we look at two, four, five hundred thousand books all the time going, that book would be a good movie. That book would be a good movie. I'd love to see that one to the screen. I'd love to see that one. Instead, I have to see the second remake of Dirty Dancing, another freaking Footloose, another damn It, another one of these, another one of these. It's like all the source material is right here. Why don't you Why don't you try to do another Clive Cussler that's really good? Maybe you don't do Dirk Pitt. Maybe you do, uh, you know, uh, the, the the Justin Scott series with Isaac Bell. Maybe you do something like that. I don't get it, man. I just don't get it. But whatever. So yeah, I would lo- personally, I would love to see a uh, Caitlin Strong film. Well, you know, you know what's funny? John, John Land talked about that. TNT tried to do a movie with a or a TV show with a female character, kind of the same way that John does his books, and it didn't do very well. And he was like, "So he goes, it's probably going to be scrapped. They're never going to, and it never happened." So. They were like kind of sour on the project. That's just sad, it really is, because yeah. it would be great. It's about yeah. the writing. It's about the you know the material, the source material. That's true. You know, try and convince yeah. Hollywood of that. Not going to happen. No. Well, I'll tell you they what, man. We're coming up to it. So why don't we just kind of round it up here? And uh, we're going to be back. We're going to be taking a month off because we both are going to be. Um, uh, going around to events. I'll be in PNWA with Jeff, and then Jeff, of course, will be in New York. We're going to do an event in PNWA, so we're going to record some stuff there, and we're going to play it later. So we're going to have some great interviews, I think, that we're going to be able to record and play later. So that's going to be cool. We're going to be able to hear some of that stuff live from the event, um, and we're going to do that. So, Jeff, I'll see you in about a month, man. In fact, a month from right. yesterday. The 19th. Oh, yeah. All right. Well, looking forward to it, and uh, have a great month off, everybody. Yeah, you too. And and like we always used to say, or like we not always used to say, we kind of used to say because <laughs> we haven't to. said it yet today. But keep reading. Have a good one. Good night, everybody. Good night.